On this episode of the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience, John Maddox sits down with former Navy EOD tech and entrepreneur Chris Liberto. The two speak about Chris's time in the military, income inequality, artificial intelligence, and much more. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our Fun Loans YouTube channel for more content like this. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Welcome to the podcast. Before I forget, please like, share, and subscribe. And I'm here with Chris. Is it Liberto? Yeah, Liberto. Liberto? Yep. Welcome to the podcast with Chris, and thanks for your service to our country. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we just uh, passed yesterday was Veterans Day. Is there, uh, was there anything you did special for, for that? Or is it like, you know? No, just kind of hung around the house, made an Instagram post, you know, and yep. uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing too crazy. Did lit up the barbecue and nice. just relaxed. Nice. Which is nice. So I think a lot of people did that. Yeah. Absolutely. So your father, you said you had a four-year-old and and uh, kind of like fighting terrorism at home. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, you know, it's better than the three-year-old age, but um, are the terrible twos? They the say? terrible twos. Yeah, it's it's getting better, um, and it's absolutely uh, wonderful actually to have a have a kid. But um, that's awesome. But yeah, she's she's a handful for sure. She's gonna be a smart one. That's awesome. Yeah, kids are amazing. I have two and. It's just crazy how fast it goes. Mine are 14, so 10 oh, wow. years went by like that. Oh, yeah, I believe it. So, so tell us a little bit about your service. Um, you were in special operations. Yeah, um, so I was uh, an EOD tech, and that's uh, explosive ordnance disposal, um, basically disarmed bombs. Audience probably knows it as uh, the bomb squad or James mm-hmm. Bond's in there cutting the red or green wire. Um, <laughs> yep. But our job actually goes a lot further than that, where we use robots and um, electronic tech to disarm everything from sea mines to hostage vests mm-hmm. to just regular um, dud ordnance that was dropped out of a plane. So, wow. Wasn't there a movie about that like five, ten years ago? Yeah, yeah, The Hurt Locker. The yep. Hurt Locker. Is it, was it similar? Like, Was it kind of uh, like that, or is that totally Hollywood? It's very, very Hollywood, but yep. um, I guess... You know, it has some similar ties to it. So, like, you don't just walk all badass into the thing. Like, I'm gonna take this bomb out. No, no, no. we we definitely work as a team, and it's coordinated. And, You're not just uh, one dude with a big suit. No, on. there's definitely a scene where he takes all the deck cord and pulls up all these one five fives. One, those things are ridiculously heavy, and two, that would never happen in real life. So, <laughs> it sure look cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you went from the Navy to being an entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. I actually uh, started in entrepreneurship while I was still in the Navy. Um, started a company called Ironsmith. We do uh, apparel uh, three years before I got out um, in 2015. And uh, it was kind of kind of fell into entrepreneurship, if nice. you know what I mean. I mm-hmm. made, made a couple shirts, sold to my buddies, yep. and then started to pick up. I was like, oh, I have something real here. And, and cool. now it's time to focus in business. So, Did you, like at, at a young age, were you into kind of doing your own kind of business or was that just something that fell into your lap? um, Absolutely. Actually, looking back, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess you could say society was driving me down the STEM direction, uh, science, math, tech. I actually went to Cal Poly for a year to be an architectural engineer, figured out I actually liked architecture much more than engineering. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also was doing a graphic design uh, side work as a freelancer mm-hmm. at the time. And I was doing pretty well for myself as an 18 year old. Cool. Figured that that's where life was headed. And 
then I ended up in the military. So <laughs> what uh, was it like something you grew up? Because a lot of us growing up, like we want to, you know, boys like want to shoot guns and just stuff like that. Is Was it something like that? Or you just kind of always did you have family in the military? Oh, absolutely. Um, actually, both my grandparents served in the Navy. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing in particular special. Um, but uh, I think growing up, that was the epitome of what manhood looked like to me. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to join, do my time. And uh, at that time, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL, like every yeah, other yeah. young kid, you know, they're that's like, man, hard. these are badass. Like, <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, yeah, that was the direction I wanted to want to go at the time. So, so the whole podcast isn't going to be about the military, but I do want to ask you a question. Were you ever in a situation? I mean, bombs, that's, that's a crazy side of the, the, you know, the, the military business, right? It's like, Dealing with bombs is a real big deal, right? And it's it's scary. Did you ever ever have any situations when you're, you know, in the military where you thought you weren't going to live or you were kind of backed into a corner and you just... Yeah, there's actually uh, three times. One one time was actually with explosives. The other two were, uh, were diving. Um, and uh, the time with explosives wasn't even in combat. It was, uh, we were doing a, a demo shot, basically getting rid of some old ordnance mm-hmm. in the uh, South Pacific. Okay. And like uh, older from World War II? Yeah, World, wow. World War II uh, uh, ordinance. So we were stacking it. The, we were actually with the Canadians. The Canadians did a demo shot. And I went went downrange um, to where we did the demo to check everything with, with my partner, make sure it all went. Uh, and we had a round that was gr- uh, glowing red hot. I thought it was just the grass was on fire. I went to go stomp it off, oh, wow. stomp it out. And uh, when we saw it, we took off running and, and it cooked off it. Um, probably 30 seconds to a minute after we're right on top you of guys it. Were running yeah. fast yeah so it was it was it was just one of those timing things i was like man that man. was lucky yeah you could have been walking over there to stomp on it and then it just uh, yeah yeah i mean it could have gone at any time we were just lucky that we weren't there wow. when it went so it wasn't your day nope <laughs> nope it wasn't what other uh you said diving oh yeah so diving and that's uh in eod uh specifically navy eod we we do sea mines and uh whether that's shallow water mines or the deep sea ones that are going after the big ships. Um, so most of my career was focused in the mine countermeasure uh, mm-hmm. portion of that. And so by nature, I was an, a pretty, pretty good diver. Mm-hmm. Um, but we dive on rebreathers. Um, everybody who thinks of diving typically thinks of scuba, it's a scuba tank, you know, you breathe in, the air goes out with mm-hmm. a rebreather, it's recirculated through, um, and scrubbed, um, uh, but the first time I was diving and my fresh gas on my rebreather cut off without any indication to me. So I was breathing my own breath for an hour oh, and went hypoxic, didn't even realize it wow. um, because we're working at night, it's pitch black. Mm-hmm. And that uh, was lucky. I actually regained consciousness on my own. And at the end of our mission, I pulled my buddy who I couldn't see the entire mission close to me, looked at his air gauge versus mine and realized that, uh, I, I hardly had expended any air oh, and uh, I was able to get up, get up to the surface, but had to get put on 100% O2 and rush to the hospital wow. at that point. Um, and the second one was actually a little bit more serious and uh, we were uh, deep diving on a rebreather. Uh, we were at about, I think it was 180 feet mm-hmm. and uh, my other... The, the buddy I was diving with ran out of air on his rebreather. So the only way to share air at that point is to take off my pod and give it to him. So we're both trying to work off my, mm. my rig. And you were down pretty low. Oh yeah. We're, we're down very wow. deep. So you have to control your ascent. There's a bunch of dive medicine that goes into it, but, wow. uh, but essentially he panicked. 
a little bit. So I ended up kicking us up with not a lot of air myself mm-hmm. and ended up uh, getting getting bent and put in a compression chamber actually from that Jeez. one. So, so yeah, I'm that's, happy to be here. That's yeah. for sure. You were in harm's way a lot. Yeah, yeah a few times. So Man, that's crazy. So, so I don't know. I started thinking when you were talking about the, the mines and when you almost to be, I'm thinking those people who put these mines, they have to have some strategy to it, right? Oh, it's absolutely. like almost like a marketing, like they know where you're going to be. They put these mines there. They, or they think they know where you're going to be. So they're having to like think ahead, like put mines down in the water or even on the road. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they, there's thought that goes into it. Right. I mean, like, Oh, man. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, military is all strategy. So yeah, it's, it's, it's chess. It's I move here. The enemy's going to move here. Mm-hmm. What's the next move for both of us? So. Have you ever taken any of that training and moved it into like marketing or entrepreneurship? You know, I probably have, but I haven't been uh, cognitive of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, every day we we were working in, in strategy, trying to outthink the enemy, uh, especially in EOD. The bomb, bomb makers were getting better as time went on and the war went on. And our whole job is to figure out how to circumvent them, mm-hmm. safety, explosive hazard, keep everybody on our side safe. And, uh, and that was a real challenge sometimes. And we it. have a lot of smart people working with us. And that's why we worked in, in small teams because mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the biggest thing it taught me was you'll never have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And with us, even our, our most junior guy might see something our most senior one won't. And so everybody's input is very valuable. Interesting. And I've definitely brought that into business. So the stakes are a little different in business and versus war, obviously. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Does, does, uh, does, it, does entrepreneurship excite you? Does it like, cause it I mean being in, in battles and being in like being de- dealing with explosives is, is gotta be exciting, but not in a good way, probably. And sometimes probably exciting in, in a good way, but, but business is going to be exciting, sometimes exciting, but is it, is it, do you have some similarities at all in, in business when you, I mean, it's different. Different oh, stakes, but absolutely. And uh, quite honestly, I'm I'm so happy to be in business now, and because you still have that risk versus reward factor. Right. Uh, the military was very risky, and you had a lot of reward from doing a j- good job. You're saving people's lives. Right. Same same as in business. You're right. taking the risk. You're employing people. You're taking care of people, and uh, you get that social reward from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at the same time. If, if the risk goes sour, then you pay, pay the price for it. Whether, you know, that could be bankruptcy in the business world or your life in the military. Right. So tell us how your company, if you have a company called military to money. Yes. Like what, how did that birth? Like what, what was your thought there? Cause um, so like I told you earlier, that's kind of my passion project right now. Mm-hmm. And um, what I really want to do is get, just get a lot of military members and veterans financially literate. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of guys that go out, they get the first paycheck. The running joke is they go buy a Dodge Dodge Challenger or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I just want to start thinking about like asset building and um, personal finance management mm-hmm. and tracking where money's going, how it's going, utilizing like credit card leverage and um, without paying interest, stuff like that. And yeah, some you, tips and tricks. I so. think anybody young starting to get paid, right. Really could utilize some schooling or some, some tips on what to do with their money. Right. Absolutely. And I think military, they're so focused in, on their job, probably hyper-focused, more focused than your average, you know, 22 year old, 21 year old. Absolutely. And because they have to be, it's like life or death. So, um, 
you know, their money is probably like a second thought, like something that's not even that important. It's just like, you know, sustenance and eating and, you know, you already have your home, your, 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 uh, your, what, what do you call it? Your, uh, housing. Yeah. You taken care housing, of. Yep. Um, food, medical, all that stuff. So, right. And so they can probably go blow some of their money cause they think, well, I already got my, my food and my housing taken care of, but I don't have exactly. my future necessarily after. And, and that, that's actually a great point because in the military, things are pretty comfortable in terms of your financial situation, but people mm-hmm. forget that they're not always going to be in the military, whether they mm-hmm. do four years or 20 years. Right. Um, and I think when that comes time to transition, they have, have trouble realizing that, Oh man, like I've been living this way my entire life and now yeah. I have to make a, a switch. Mm-hmm. How do I do that? Is it uh, kind of a shock when you come out of the military and you go into civilian life? Is it for because me- it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, a lot of, you, you a lot of military do it much later in life. When you go from living at home with your parents to military, it's a similar, you're getting taken care of in a similar way. Right. But so you delay that shock that some teenagers, 18 year olds might, when they get booted out of the house, if they ever, if they do, then they got to start dealing with their own food, their own you know insurance bill, their phone bill, like their housing, their food. Um, it, so it, it comes a little bit later, right? Four years later, maybe 10 years later. No, I, I, I agree to that. And I'll, I'll kind of disagree with that. Um, in the military, because you are, are given all that, you become very self-reliant as well. So mm-hmm. immediately you have an 18 year old didn't go to college, but they're paying their own cell phone bill. They're paying their own car payment. Right. Um, yeah. They might fly back and visit mom and dad or whatever, but they're on their own now. Right. And uh, they're part of the Navy or military family, whatever right. it is. Um, whereas I feel like in more of today's youth, you're going to school, but your parents are still helping you with tuition. They're still right. helping pick up the phone bill. So it's like co- kind of like college in a way. It's, exactly. Um, so the military, exactly, exactly that it's, it's like a quick version of college. They teach you what you need to know to do your job, but then they still shove you out on the still, world and yeah. you're still there it's and you still got a boss yelling at, your, yelling at you in your face, you know, <laughs> right. and, uh, and ultimately, you got to get the job done. And right. in a lot of cases, your life depends on it. So Right, right. That's, I have ultimate respect for, for that. I mean, I did not serve, so I, I, I don't know what it's like. But um, I, I have friends that, that have, and, it, and it's, I know it's, uh, it's intense. But talk to me about, like, coming out of the military. Is there other programs where you, like, I know with military to money, um, is, it, is it helping people in the military mostly or when they get out or both? So I wanted to do both with, with that and uh, mostly geared towards the younger generation and start thinking beyond just investing in a 401k TSP plan that, right. that the government offers. And yes, there are quite a few programs. Um, again, they're government-sponsored programs. They're very dull. There's nothing sexy about them. Mm. There's nothing interesting. It's death by PowerPoint. <laughs> uh, they make you go to a transition program, which is the same thing. It's just, okay, here's a week of classes at the very end to teach you basically how to write a resume. And I'm like, my my version is of getting a job isn't going on Indeed and submitting like, a resume to 80 different places. Mm-hmm. It's researching where you want to work. What do you want to do with your life? Go right. go there, find out how you can add value to that company. Then you won't need to be, you know, the the piece of hay in the haystack. Like mm-hmm. you're already distinguished and uh, and already have a, have your foot in the door. And that's who I personally would want to hire. So yeah, somebody who's passionate about what we're doing and wants to be a part of the team. So I've heard stories about um, some people that have been in the military for um, for a long time, like maybe 15, 20 years. 
they'd rather go negotiate with like one of the highest level terrorists than go look for a job. Like to them, it's, it's more scary to leave the, what they know and what they've been doing and go out into the civilian life than to like, go, you know, do something like that. Is that, does that ring true or is that? Yes. I, I didn't, I feel like that's very true. Um, once you've done 20 years, I, I got out of 10 and it's right at that point where you kind of make a decision, whether you're going to be a careerist in the military mm -hmm it's time to go pursue other options but uh, at 20 years um i'd say most of uh the people i know at that point they just move into government contracting um, mm -hmm. because it's it's very similar job just right. on the civilian sector and so they pick up a gs uh designator and and go that that route essentially doing the same job but yeah. on the outside so so when you started, so when you left the military and you <clears throat> went, you said you ironworks, is that uh, Ironsmith? Yeah, Ironsmith. Um, what, what, uh, what? Because you've got a few different side gigs, right? Are yeah, you... yeah. I, um, my biggest thing right now is I'm the CFO of uh, Industry Threadworks, which is our doing five million this year in revenue oh, on B two B apparel production and. Uh, and my uh, my friend and mentor Ryan Williams, he's he's a prior seal, um, brought me on, and, and we've nice. been building that together and, and crushing it. So that's awesome. Um, and then yeah, we have we have some of these other passion projects. I like to call them. Uh, they mm -hmm. bring in a little bit and come here and there, but uh, it's mostly just like I said with the military money, it's to get the information out, and that's that's really what I'm focusing on with that. So so you deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. Yes, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would say I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. Me personally, I'm I'm a little bit more of an introvert, and so yep. I I'm very analytical. I run numbers. I run business strategy. Hence the CFO. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And um, um, and Ryan's actually he's great at at running sales, face to face selling, um, marketing that sort of thing. So it, it's a good duo, absolutely. And I'm right where I want to be, and and uh, actually visualized before I even left the military. So. That's cool. So you use the, um, I've talked about it on the, on the podcast a couple of times. There's a, a, a thing called the secret. Have you heard of that? Where you kind of visualize where you're going. It's like using the law of attraction and all that stuff. I haven't heard of it, but, yeah. uh, yeah, uh, I definitely practice and preach that. Mm -hmm. Um, if you look at where you're going, you're going to, you're going to find a way to get it's there. Like knowing so. your target, right? Exactly. So, so, um, if a mortgage broker was listening and they're, and they're thinking, okay, well, veterans, you know, they only think VA loans, right? But there's, I know there are a lot of really successful veterans, you know, out there. Um, some of them can't get a VA loan that's larger than say a million bucks or whatever it is, you know, do you ever, do you know any, any VA or veterans that, um, have ever said to you, like, I just, you know, I can't get a VA loan because I'm now, um, you know, doing self-employed work and my income is, you know, different than it's not just like a regular W2 job. It's like a, you know, like a startup or something like that where they just don't qualify for a house. Is that, have you ever come across that? I haven't heard too many cases of that. And honestly, most of my dealings with people with the VA loan were, were in the military, which I'd still recommend is a great time to use it. Right. Um, because you have the steady income, like you said, it's right. easy. Uh, but Absolutely. I mean, I, I would be myself in that position where I have income coming from multiple Different sources right. and it's not W2 income. Right. And uh, so, yes, to use the VA loan in that sort of sense, I wouldn't know where to go. So, right. yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're, we're talking about um, with some of our loans that we offer, because, you know, 
that, that's all you would think of is just to go to a VA loan. You know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a veteran and great. You know, I have this amazing um, benefit that I get, you know, zero down. I get a great interest rate, but um, it has limitations, you know. And, and oh, so um, to be able to, to, to when you're self-employed or you have some side hustles and you make income in different sources, to be able to look at your income in a holistic with a holistic approach, you got to go to a different loan product. And um, unfortunately, the VA benefit doesn't transfer over to those other loan products. But um, I've done some loans for some um, like a pilot who, you know, just couldn't get a VA loan because the the property that he was buying or that he was he was, he was doing was a construction type of deal needed, and he had he owned like some different businesses too, and. And he just needed to have a uh, different type of loan product. So um, talk to me about how uh, what you're seeing is like trends from people coming out. Is there is there I mean, just in general right now, there are a lot of people going to doing they're doing side hustles they're doing, you know, multiple different jobs just to, to make ends meet. Um, do you see that more, too, as, as you deal with the vets and, and, you know, they're they're they have different types of jobs or oh, is there a trend with that? Um, especially with the ones that didn't quite plan their transition. Right. I noticed they're picking up a lot of odd jobs here and there. Uh, but yes, absolutely. Um, looking at the kind of macro sense, I feel like more, more and more people are becoming entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. more and more consumers are shopping small. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that has to do a lot with uh, privacy issues and trust and, and uh, big corporations and mixed with the government and people just want to do commerce between each other and offer real valuable products. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I do, I do see that as a trend. I see more vet vets getting into business. Um, I think that they also could use some more business education. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say, Oh, I see so-and-so over here is successful, but uh, even on the, on the outside world, you don't know what went into that success and you don't know what they know that you don't. And so what I would recommend to a lot of vets starting entrepreneurial businesses is do your research first mm-hmm. and uh, you'll never have all the answers, but at least be slightly informed yep. um, before you get, get started. And, uh, and yeah, and that's one of the things why I'm creating military money too. It's just, again, information, help entrepreneurs out, help those people make a better transition and an informed decision. So what about like rental properties? You guys talk about that, like oh, investing yeah. rental properties. Yeah, tell so us, we're, tell we're, us kind of what your advice is on that. So, uh, I think property, in my opinion, is, um, the cornerstone to wealth. And so what made you think that I actually read a book called, yep. uh, rich dad, poor dad, yeah, like many book. others. Yeah. And it, it completely revolutionized the, my way of thinking about money. Um, and so yeah, rental properties, it's, it's building assets, building something that, uh, will pay off in the future typically. And if you, if you do your numbers right, can flow cash in the, in the short term. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a good place. There's a lot of tax advantages to it. Mm-hmm. So you're not, not paying to uncle Sam and, uh, but it's also risky. And, and that's with every, every financial option and vehicle that you could have, there is some, some risk to it. Right. Um, but it's very tangible and that's why I like it. Uh, and that's where I take all my earned income and, and that's where I'm making passive income personally from. So so you can't really get a VA loan, right, for investment properties? No, no, yeah. technically you, you can't. So. so you would be a good source for a mortgage broker to find guys like you who are trying to buy 
right? Like, I mean, like if a mortgage broker is listening, they might be like, well, you know, I typically think of veterans as like, you know, a VA loan, but you know, if, 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 if veterans are looking at buying investment properties, oh yeah, right. Like they would, that's a huge market that and it's non VA. And that's the thing is not to, not to categorize all that's the same. I know a lot of vets that are now, you know, working on wall street Yeah, and, uh, and the VA loan is, is a great benefit. And that's usually what I would use for my personal property mm-hmm. because one that's in the stipulation Two, I'm not too worried about leverage on that. Like in terms of putting a 20% down payment on it, right. um, you know, in case of market sways. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's plenty of vet- veterans who are in the real estate game and they have multiple properties because the Navy or the military in general set them up for financial success and they took advantage of it. Yep. That's good. So, so like, um, have you seen, like I've seen in the past where, um, someone will take, do a VA loan, take cash out and then use that, some of that money to go buy rental properties. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, me personally, I was in some debt and, uh, fixed up my, my house, mm-hmm. um, with a cash out and, uh, and then we just, uh, refied and moved out. And now I'm using that as a rental property and, looking to to buy my next. So, That's cool. Yeah. So it's, you've been kind of all over the world, I imagine. Like you, you said you were in Korea, you were, where else did you go? I've uh, been a little bit of everywhere. Uh, did, did some time in the Middle East, uh, in Somalia and uh, Bahrain, Oman, um, Africa. Wow. Uh, man, Europe. All, m- spent a lot of time in, in uh, South Asia, Southeast Asia. And uh, Actually, never been to Canada <laughs> or South America. I, 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 I never got to go to South America. I was kind of upset about that, but yeah, but that would have been nice. You want to so, go? Yeah, I do. I do. I want to get down there. And I check love it South out, America. So. Such a great spot. Um, so, seeing all that, coming back and and living in America, but you you've you know you've been all around the world. Do you see? that like America, the difference in like how America, you know, are like, it's easy to be an entrepreneur. It's easy to, um, the freedoms that we have, like, what are your thoughts on just the United States in general? Like with, with that, with that kind of viewpoint, right? A lot of people don't, you, you talk to your average people person in, in America, they've never traveled. They've never been out of the country. They maybe been to Canada, maybe to Mexico, but haven't really seen what you've seen. Like, what do you think of, you know, how our country has just like the, like you could, you could wake up tomorrow and say you want to be a, a baker or you could be, I want to be a this and you can just do it. Like, have you seen the difference in other countries where it's just not as hard? Not, I mean, I'm sure you weren't there to try to be in a business, but have you talked to people in other countries where they're like, you know, they want to come to America. A lot of people come to America. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, they, they, they want to come here. And there's a reason why our immigration is just people are pouring into our country. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, America has the most opportunity. It's a land of opportunity, right? right. And, uh, if there's so much opportunity elsewhere, that's where all the entrepreneurs will be. <laughs> right. um, but I can, I can say, uh, even, even in Bahrain, um, I was there for six months on, on a deployment, seeing a lot of the workers there are almost like indentured servants, uh, wow. and they're, they're Indians from India coming over and they work for all the oil money. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no real ladder that they can climb. So in America here, we still have freedoms. We have laws. We have a good, good justice system. Um, you have the ab- ability to make something of yourself here. Now is it perfect? No. Right. Um, especially as more 
big, big corporations now have the lobby and everything else. And even if you have a good idea, sometimes they're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to crush that because it's that's a threat to our, yeah. our bottom line. Um, so you have to be smart. You, you, you absolutely have to be smart and prepared in America's business society. Uh, it can be cutthroat at times, but it also provides you with an opportunity that almost no other country provides you with on right. earth. So, right. and that's freedom. <clears throat> I, I always think of that when I watch politics and, and, uh, I, cause I've been to 37 countries. So I, I have that same mentality of like, people don't know what it's like in other countries. And, we have a great country, like we really do. And I'm not trying to make this a political podcast, but it's just interesting time that we're in right now with, oh, with uh, you know, with people worrying about things that really you wouldn't worry about normally. Like just, we have so much protection and freedom and so much, we're, we're really in a safe, like our country's, our, we've never been attacked. Like, can you imagine living in, you know, like, uh, Czechoslovakia or not it's now the Czech Republic but before when you were Russia like there's just it's a different world I mean you just oh absolutely um maybe that's part of the reason why we have so many political discussions because we have it so good we're just looking for what's mm-hmm. next now granted there is like I said a bunch of things that go on beyond behind the curtain right um like you said, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, but there's there's a ton of upward mobility here that no other country offers. Yeah, so. and to be able to go buy property and then to be able to use that leverage and oh, absolutely to, to build wealth, like you said, it's just it's a it's a pretty but, pretty amazing tool that we we have a freedom to be able to do yeah. here. It's a personal choice. It's it's do you want it bad enough, and what are you what are you willing to do? Are you willing to put in the hours? Are you willing to study? Yep. Um, are you willing to go out and network? That's a big thing that people, um, undervalue everything. So, so much about knowledge, but unless you're here in the situation to use that knowledge, it doesn't, it doesn't really pan out. So, yeah. yeah. So what do you think about, um, the way the economy is right now? Like it's hot, right? What do you think? What do you think? Do you think that do you see any trends in the economy? I know you're CFO. So you look at numbers, do you watch the economy and the economics and, um, do you, do you have any insight on stuff like that? So my opinion is that, uh, our market's a little inflated right now. We've had cheap money for a long time mm-hmm. and, uh, just got a little cheaper too. Yeah, I know <laughs> uh, for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're trying to stall the inevitable We're we are going to take a dip. It's a normal business cycle, right. but, um, but personally I, I pulled all my investments out of the market now and I'm just kind of waiting. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the 10 and two yield has inverted, um, mm-hmm. which is usually a recessionary sign. And, right. uh, so yes, I'm, I'm personally prepping and prepping our company for a recession in the near future. And, uh, do you think real estate's a good uh, hedge to that? Yeah. Recession? I, think, I think the real estate market right now is, is pretty strong still. Yep. Um, especially if you're not over leveraging your house, like mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Just wait it out. Right. Um, but it's not 2008 again, where you're giving anybody a loan. Most everybody has you fixed breathe rates. on yeah. a mirror, you get a loan. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, do you remember those days? You, you're pretty young, right? No, uh, I bought my house actually my first house in 2011. So it was still, still good time to buy, but right, so it was not, a really not good time quite, to buy. As, quite as easy to get a loan if I, yeah, if yeah, but you were were you in the military then? I was, so so it was that, easier for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was perfect opportunity. <laughs> That's so right. Did pretty well from that. So, boot, talk to me about boot camp. What would you learn about? Like, do you take any of that hard? Like, God, you guys go through so much, and girls. I'm sure there's girls in boot oh, camp, yeah. right? So, um, you learn so much of like pushing yourself to the limits, right? And then 
going into being an entrepreneur, there's, you don't get pushed as much as that, but you do get pushed a lot. Like, um, do you have any kind of stories about how you took some of that training and you, you put it into being an entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, for Navy bootcamp, it's kind of, uh, kind of, it's kind of trivial. I can't speak for all the other um, branches of, of service. And especially I think the Marines, um, have a pretty intense, intensive, yeah. Bootcamp. Um, but for the Navy, it was pretty easy. It's, here, here's the, here's the test. Here's the answers to test study them. Like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to run around like in circles and just get yelled at a little bit. It wasn't too, too crazy. Uh, for me, the challenges came in Navy dive school and Navy OD school. Mm-hmm. Cause you have um, to solve problems. It's right? problem solving and it's very physically strenuous at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you're essentially mentally too, right? Mentally, especially, um, more mentally than, than not. I mean, there's actually a point where I learned that you couldn't be right as a student. And so it was all just a game. And that's kind of what got me through. I was about to quit because, really? yeah, I was like, you couldn't get, it's like an escape room that you can't escape. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> we're a uh, short story. Um, I was in charge of my class and we were getting to the pool deck. I was 15 minutes early. They want to say that we were 15 minutes late. I was for sure. I was like, screw this. I'm done. Like I was thinking about it. And then I just realized, oh, it's just a game. And so, you know, as we're getting quote unquote, we call it beat, but that's just doing push-ups and sit-ups and whatever else for mm-hmm. God knows how long. Um, it kind of dawned on me like, oh, this is just a game and let's just have fun with it while, while it's going. And, uh, and that's what got me through all the training. Um, do they do that a lot in the military? In the special programs, I'd, I'd imagine they do. In, in the regular military or in my experience of fleet, it's get through boot camp. Now go learn how to do your job and now go to a ship. So. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. How much on teamwork is there? Um, you've got to rely on your partner or your team member. Like, is that like, do you use that in business? Oh, absolutely. And uh, like I was talking about before, uh, especially in EOD, anybody can have the answer that saves your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so carrying an open mind and open perspective is is a must. And so in business, that that is what has led to mostly my success and my team's success is, is open communication and admitting that you're not always right. <laughs> and, uh, and looking at different perspectives yeah. and coming together and finding the best solution for the problem at hand. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> in the U S military, you're taught to identify a threat, adapt and overcome as, as a team being that one of your passions is helping reverse income inequality. What would you say uh, we can do to adapt as a country and overcome this issue? So I think the first issue with income inequality is to realize that there is an issue. Um, we do live very comfortably in America here. And uh, that's that's also slightly by design, in my opinion. Um, if you look back 50 the years, credit cards. And exactly. Stuff, yeah. If you look back 50 years, a whole family could be supported on a single single um income now it's dual income san diego specifically i'm knowing like couples that are living together to mm-hmm. to make the rent and so it's becoming increasingly difficult to have more children etc cetera, etc cetera. but we still we do have a comfortable lifestyle but credit rules our lives so right. people are running in debt typically now and uh and it's because wages haven't really kept up um over the years and as most of these big corporations hold a lot of the wealth um in my opinion, they just need to take a, take care of their employees better. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something that the government can step in and do? In my opinion, no, because then they just 
like don't incentivize entrepreneurship anymore and right. entrepreneurship is ingenuity. Right. So there's a balance. And I think it comes to like being a social, re socially responsible entrepreneur and knowing that you aren't where you are because of yourself, but because of your team. Mm -hmm. And if you treat your team like family, mm -hmm. then it, it will never be an issue. And that's, that's the approach I take to all business endeavors, create win-win situations. So, right. I think you make a great winning team if you do that too. I mean, yeah. and I think, you know, small companies and small businesses do that more than obviously the big ones. Like, you know, you look at like a Facebook or a Amazon and yeah, Jeff Beza Bezos is the dude with the billions of dollars. Right. And then you've got the ones that are working that are just making minimum wage. It's such a huge thing, such a huge inequality there. Um, what do you think about the, the women and men inequality? Do you think that's, is, is it more about the top of the, the food chain elite type of business people versus the bottom? Or is it, do you think there's men and women too with inequality? That's a, you know, that's a that's, loaded that's question. That's kind of a loaded question. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, I'd, I'd have to do a little bit more research personally mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. that. Um, but I believe that if there was an inequality that that is getting squashed in 2019 now. Yeah, and I think it's I've a lot different now, right? It's completely different. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of great smart women that are just crushing it in business. They and are. I yeah. look up to, and everybody else I know looks up to. So I don't even see that being an issue. And if it is, it's an, it's an archaic one. So. Yeah. That's, it's a small, I mean, some people would argue and, and fight and say it's, it's a huge issue today, but I think it's gotten a lot better. Just like, a lot of the other social issues that we're facing in America, it's like, it's a lot better than it was. Absolutely. I mean, there might be still, you know, we're, we're maybe this smaller gap, but, um, but I think it's gotten better. Uh, and which is great because, you know, our country's evolving. We're becoming probably worse in some ways, but a lot better in other ways. And, um, it's a, it's a good, you know, it's a good, uh, it's good that we're going in the right direction. Right. Um, what about AI? I know you're into that. Right? Oh yeah. So, uh, been looking at what effects AI is going to have on the workforce. And, uh, I read a, st a statistic that says it could take 40% of America's workforce, which is wow. dangerous, right? It's way dangerous. 40, that's almost half the country out of work. And, uh, so it's something to start thinking about, especially if you're somebody like a truck driver doing manual labor or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, the time is now to start adapting and rebranding yourself. Um, not everybody's going to need to be a social um, or a software tech, but think about what machines can do and what they can't do. Mm -hmm. And um, one of those big things is social interaction. People always crave social interaction, the human connection. Mm -hmm. And without that, like life would be meaningless. Right. So if you focus on that and building those interpersonal connections, that's going to go a long way in the future. So, yep. I just read something like yesterday it was, it was, uh, that Uber, I think it was Uber. Um, who else? It was Uber, a couple other companies that are with delivery. So, I mean, the people that are probably going to get like axed soon is going to be Uber drivers because automation with driving, uh, delivery, you know, they're going to start delivering like, like Amazon delivery will be like drones. Yep. And so all the delivery drivers, right? And you said truck, you like the truck drivers and that's, that's just happening right now. So yep. I mean, it could be, we're talking two years because some states are already letting automated cars drive, right? Like Absolutely. just, so that's a lot of side hustles that are going to be just vanished, 
right? Like a lot of people oh, yeah. that just drive for Amazon or just do Uber Eats or just do Uber or Lyft. And then uh, that income is going to be gone. So so there's going to be inter- it's going to be very interesting to see what because because this has happened. There's been disruption, you know, throughout the last 100 years. But, you know, everyone kind of gravitates towards something new. But like what you're saying, social interaction is going to be important. What kind of jobs do you think? require that like like i mean people are craving i think you call if you call a business now you get just just a land like a automated service and it's just so frustrating so there's got to be people who are going to win are going to be businesses that have like live people right yeah absolutely stuff like that that's the culture we create at uh industry threadworks and that's one of the big things we ping on is our brand managers are in communication with their clients not an automated system like that um but in terms of roles it's anything where you're making subjective decisions uh, mm-hmm. a machine is going to be able to make those objective decisions whether um, with the machine learning and everything they're getting better and better at it as long as they have all the facts and the data mm-hmm. but where do those gut instincts come in and that's something that the machines will never have and uh, and let's take a trial for instance all the all the uh, evidence points in one direction a person still might not have done it so are you the person that can distinguish that or are you going to let a machine do that for you? Yeah. So interesting time we are in, right? Uh, so what are you doing um, with your business um, to combat that or to, to change, you know, to, are you just like teaching people? Cause I know money, is it money work? Um, sorry, military to money. Is that, is that the business that kind of is sort of leading people towards, you know, human interaction or what, or what, what is it about AI that, so that's more in uh, in um, industry threadworks and uh, looking at um, one of our production team is probably going to get automated at some point in time mm-hmm. um, with everything else. But it's creating that culture and understanding that there's always going to be a person monitoring those systems as well and mm-hmm. creating that idea of like, hey, we have to adapt right. to change like. There's nothing kosher and that and especially in a capitalist society, you don't just sit back and somebody takes care of you. You need to adapt to keep the human race as, as a whole moving forward. Right. And and that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, and, if you don't uh, have a purpose in your life, you're yeah. just going to wither away. So that mentality just it goes over all my businesses. It's it's yes, I as a smart and financially savvy business owner, I will automate where it makes sense to automate. But mm-hmm. I'll also keep that human connection where that makes sense as well. So. We were just at a, a mortgage conference, the AIM conference, uh, and Gary Vaynerchuk was there. Have you ever heard of Gary, Gary V? I have. He was talking about um, where people, <laughs> he kind of, he was like, Alexa, get me a mortgage, you know? And, and, and he was saying like, he thinks I think it was a 10 to 13 years or something. There'll be like a huge disruption in the finance world and in mortgages. And, but one of the, the, th- the reasons or one of the things that we focus on are these harder loans that require more in-depth look at underwriting and in-depth look at, at your income and things like that. But they're trying to automate it. They're trying to, you know, a lot of, uh, of the bigger mortgage companies are trying to automate some of the process and it's already been automated to some, in some ways, but like with a rocket mortgage and all these different things, they're trying to automate it. And, um, but you know, entrepreneurs are still one of those, th- those, those borrowers that just, it's very difficult to automate that part of it. Um, what, uh, what do you think about like how much time we have before some of this automation comes into play? Oh, that's tough. I'd say five years. Yeah. I'd say it's, it's ramping up quickly. 
Is the military um, automating stuff too? Like where they won't need soldiers and people. Oh, I mean, like, a- absolutely. And, right. uh, and the service, I mean, we, we are very tech heavy now. Um, and it keeps us safe, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you could have robots go out into the, you know, especially battlefield. In, in EOD, yeah, we have a robot. We drive down there, we place a charge, blow some stuff up, disarm stuff with it. Right. It's an extension of us without us actually being there. Right. Um, How far off do you think we are from like robot military soldiers? Because, like, isn't Boston, I've seen the Boston Dynamics videos. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's totally funny. But like, I mean, I don't think that's real yet. No, right? no, it's I mean, not. It's, it's not real. Yeah, they they have some guy and, like, and, and doing it. like yeah, they uh, CGI fun. or something. But um, right, I, I mean, that's that's coming. I mm-hmm. I would imagine ten years that that could be a thing. Um, like I said, tech is happening very very quickly. Five. I was just reading an article earlier about five G and AI. Mm-hmm. Now you have speed and. and uh, Data transfer size mm-hmm. matched with machine learning. Like now, real time. Now you got yep. yeah, the Terminator's yeah, going to happen, right? Um, <laughs> Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Is yeah, it good? Yeah. The new one? Uh, no, I haven't seen the new one. Um, yeah, the old ones. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd imagine that that is coming, but I don't think it's something people should be so afraid about. Um, you know, cars displace the carrot, horse and buggy, mm-hmm. you know, era. So... It's just something to look forward to. We're all going to adapt and we'll make it work. So. There'll always be some kind of job, right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, There's always going to be something to do. And uh, people figure out ways to, to, they'll have to work with robots and figure out how to fix them or, you know, how to teach them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there'll be, there'll be other, all kinds of side hustles that, that just come out of nowhere. Like no one would have thought, you know, that, that they're going to be Uber eats, right? Yeah. Like in jobs like that, like where you go pick up food for someone or you go grocery shopping for someone and you get paid on a little app and you can do it whenever you want and you can go whenever. I mean, that stuff is, I think people get afraid of the technology and, and like, I think Tucker Carlson was saying like, you know, we need to stop the the automation of these trucks because, because all these truck drivers are going to be out of work and then they're already suffering. So many of them are suffering because of like the opiate addictions and they just, you know, there, there's, there's all kinds of problems that, that arise. And oh, absolutely. I mean, as a, as a country though, I think we've always been innovative. Like you were saying, like, you know, America, we have a lot of entrepreneurs here yeah, absolutely. and, and, and innovators. So I think we're going to figure it out at some point. I think we also need to preach personal responsibility as well. I feel like we we're in a time where it's, oh man, this has happened to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you have a stark contrast between the entrepreneurial mindset and then the I'm owed something mindset. Mm-hmm. And if we just kind of level that playing field a little bit, I think we're, we're going to be geared for the future pretty well. So do you think the, I mean, millennials get a bad rap from in that, from that standpoint, like we're owed something. We got eighth place trophies. They got, you know, all these, these easy, they were coddled and, you know, they, they show up to work when they want. There's all these different, you know, things like, like, like stereotypes, right? Yeah. Um, do you think, you know, you've, I'm sure you've worked with millennials, people that are in the military. Do you think military is, is a, is a really good, um, hedge against that kind of mentality? I mean, cause you got to go in when you go into the military, you go in and you, you, you aren't coddled. You aren't getting an eighth place trophy. You're so do you think there's going to be a difference between, you know, people who come out of the military versus the kids that come out of college, there's got to be a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. It, yeah, that's night and day. And um, that's, I think, one of the reasons why so many companies are hiring vets right now yeah. is because... You know how to show up on time. Show up on time. You know, you know how to, how to listen task. to your boss. You right. know what I mean? Respect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, respect's a big one. Huge. And um, 
And I don't even blame millennials so much uh, or they've been given so much data and so many options from the get go mm -hmm. that it becomes difficult to make those choices. Like we grew up and it's very structured. It's like, mm -hmm. um, I was kind of, I guess technically I'm a millennial, but I was in between the information era kind of and computing and, mm -hmm. um, and I was still outside playing ball, you know? Right. And, uh, and I think as that changes, as good managers need to know what they're looking for and how to direct their focus towards that goal. Um, right. and yeah, that's a challenge. Absolutely. But the yeah. military definitely, uh, definitely squashes a lot of that. So <laughs> hire some vets. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I, I always, I mean, we've, we've had everything from special forces work here to just people in the military. I mean, it's all, all, all walks there and they've all been great, you know? So I, I'm a huge fan of, of hiring out of the military. Um, what are you like, where can people find what you're trying to do and how can they reach you and, and even get some help on, you know, do you only help vets or do you also help any kind of person? In I'll help anybody who wants to have a conversation. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I prefer one-on-one -on -one consultation or maybe a small team, um, mm -hmm. stuff like that, but I'm expanding myself into, uh, doing something like this and doing yeah. a podcast, get in front of more people. And, uh, is it military to money.com? Yeah. Military to money.com. That's, that's the website. Or, uh, can you email me um, directly at Chris at military to money.com. So that's awesome. Uh, last question. Well, <clears throat> maybe not last question, but do you think, I mean, I've, I've asked this to, I think a couple other people like a hedge fund manager. Do you think that, uh, the America will see ever see a civil war again? with all this craziness that's happening with oh, the politics. That, that's another loaded question. Um, <laughs> Cause I think like, that, you know, there's California I, and then there's the rest of the country and then there's New York and then, you know, but I, I think that absolutely depends. Right. And, uh, me personally, I look at trends of things and, uh, one of the big things with Edward Snowden coming out, I just watched that documentary citizen four. Interesting. They, they own all the data on everybody. You can be labeled a domestic terrorist and get drone strike now. Right. Um, Government has a lot of power and they have a lot of power against organizing. Uh, now, are they going to use that? Are, are we still going to be able to have effective organizations? I think that's what it comes down to. You mix that with the AI threat and now people are out of work. Now they're hungry. Now you kind of have that catalyst for, mm -hmm. for um, an armed revolution. And, and so it might become the haves and haves not if we're not careful yeah. and, and equitable and and that's why income inequality, honestly, is one of my biggest like yeah. topics is because I want to avoid that if we can, obviously. Right. So. I think back in, in the, you know, the days of Standard Oil and these other, they did the, they broke up some of the big companies, big, co big corporations, because they're just too big. Absolutely. We have massive banks. We have, they're too big to fail. That created the part of the crisis. We have, you know, um, companies like Amazon who are so massive and they don't pay taxes and mm -hmm. like. Uh, you know, Facebook who controls all this information and, you know, and can, can kind of like, inf what they say is like influence elections oh, yeah. and things like that. Well, like, you think about Facebook, Facebook's the largest digital marketing platform, right? Right. And so they have lobby money that goes to Washington while Washington gets donations or whatever um, from all the other corporations. Where do they market back to Facebook? It's just this never ending cycle of funds between the mm -hmm. government and, and Facebook as, as a corporation. And, um, where do you get your news? Uh, Wall Street Journal. Yeah, yep. yeah that's, that's my preferred. It seems to be very moderate and very level. So yeah, see it about CNBC. 
about CNBC. Do you, would you watch CNBC? Ever? No, I, no, I typically don't watch too much uh, TV. I read more. So yeah, Wall Street Journal is good. Cool. Um, and then usually my last question to all my guests is what's your favorite failure? You know, as, as uh, humans, as entrepreneurs, as people in business, we've, you know, we go through failures, just like, you know, um, Thomas Edison, he didn't, you know, fail 1900 times, he learned 1900 times how to not make a light bulb. But um, I might be off on the number, but um, what what is your favorite failure that you've had? It could um, be in life, it could be in business. Yeah, it was actually in the in the military. Like I said, um, I wanted to be a SEAL so bad when I was young, and I went in, tried to go to the Naval Academy, um, got in, got denied because they said I was colorblind, um, went enlisted, passed the colorblind test, all that stuff, um, had a SEAL contract, was going to go to BUDS uh, in boot camp. They tested me again, so I was colorblind, sent me to the fleet for two years. Ooh. And um, that was a very humbling experience. I uh, came out of high school, um, uh, three varsity sports, uh, 4.0 GPA. I was crushing it. Um, mostly, my, you know, my mom expected it. But uh, <laughs> but getting there and then just getting what felt like my legs, like, chopped out, yeah. chopped out from under me and put into a, into something that I never imagined. Um was great for my personal growth. And so it, it really rearranged my mindset into helping people. Mm -hmm. And so when I did get retested, it was proven that, um, I was good to go on the colorblind, uh, test. I had an option. I had an option to go EOD or an option to go to buds to go be a seal. And so I chose, like I was an electrician at the time. I was like, you know, I want to help people. And I have this electrical background. EOD is my calling. And, uh, that's changed my life forever. And wow. I'm, I'm so thankful for it. So that's cool. Yeah. You never know what life's going to bring us. Right. Never. And, and you just got to keep going and, and, uh, that's a cool, it's a cool lesson. Awesome. Any, uh, anything you want to leave with us? I think that's about it. And so I appreciate having me on and yeah. being able to talk and give my story and talk business. So. Absolutely. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on. Yeah. Thanks. All right. If you like our podcast, please like, share and subscribe. Actually click the like button. I know it's hard for you to just reach up and click it. Actually, it's really easy. Just please uh, do that so you can help us grow. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a fun loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fun loans together.